Welcome in, everyone, to the Salty Dogs podcast. I am Scott Smith. And I am Jeff Ryan. Oh, excuse me. Hold on uh, for one second here. Um, uh, this is actually, I'd like to welcome everyone to Tampa 2. This is Casey Phillips here with staff writer Bree Dix. Hello. What is happening? It looks like somebody double booked yeah, the podcast who, studio. Huh? Is this? Yeah, these rooms are hard to come by around here. Go ahead. So what is this? Like a mashup? I mean, I was going to call it a SmackDown, but mashup does sound friendlier, you know? <laughs> yeah, I didn't think this was adversarial. <laughs> if this is like uh, one of those TV crossover events, like Law & Order and Ooh. Homicide Life on the Streets. Yeah. Yes. And in that analogy, Jeff and I are Law & Order because we've been around longer and we've won more Emmys. I've never, I've, <laughs> I have never watched that. I've never Which seen one? Law & Order. I've never seen Wow. Law. It's hard to go through life without ever yeah, seeing Law & Order. I don't even know how to respond to Okay, I'll take it back. Maybe I saw like half an episode and went, <laughs> okay. There are, I got the premise on this. I don't need to keep watching. They do have a different topic each time. Shows. I understand. He's but like, there's ends. law, there's order, you know. I love law and order. But, but it ends the same way. No, it doesn't. That's not true. Sometimes they get off. Ah. Anyway. This is off to a great start. I think, I guess we're doing the Salty Tampa 2 Dogs, dogs. today. Yeah. I love that. Oh, that's good. I think what we'll do is we'll is. do the first half of it in our usual format, which really isn't a format. We just kind of bounce from one topic to another. And then we will come in to sweep up and organize all the things with Sounds our good. pre-planned topics that we tend to do. I feel like this is about right. The female podcast is like orderly Plan. and organized <laughs> yeah. and planned. And the dude podcast is, well, you know, we're, we're, we're going to wing it. Chat. But, yeah. th- hey. but there's, there's no fun if it's orderly. <laughs> well, I disagree. <laughs> Call an audible every She's Monica. Because you know. I 100% am Monica and I don't like that. <laughs> because, because then you know what's going to happen that's that that's a boring way to well she's going to ask a question doesn't know what we're going to say and well there's yeah. that that's mm-hmm. true I just never, roll with it yes come uh, on jeff. jeff you even brought some notes today and we know very well, well that, that never only because I, I i wanted to make sure i got my quote oh, okay. absolutely right, well, don't don't spoil it all right so in great salty dog format we'll just choose randomly a topic actually i gotta say it's not one we're going to really enjoy talking about very much but we have to uh the part especially when you work in the building, the part of this job that is probably one of the least fun parts is when people lose their jobs. And last week, um, Todd Bowles decided to, that the team would part ways with six coaches, Byron Lefwich, the offensive coordinator, Kevin Garver, Lori Locust, Chris Boniol, Jeff Castle, Todd McNair, and then Clyde Christensen, Rick Christofel, and Bob Sanders all elected to retire. So thoughts on that? Uh, I call that philosophical differences. Between? Mm. Whoever made the decision to go with them or not go with them. It's a tough go. But you have to realize it's been four seasons holding the same group together, and that's not easy to do. Mm-hmm. And you had a coaching change last year, and, and in fairness to Todd, um, he's got to figure out what to do because, you know, we got to be honest here, this season was not what we expected. Right. Well, And I would say, just to piggyback off of that, I'm kind of this in the same – line that this is a production-based business and when you finish with a losing record when you fall short of expectations this is what's going to occur during during the offseason as sad as that is as cutthroat of a business as it is that's that's what happens and so we'll see kind of what the uh the offense looks like next season yeah and I mean I know it sounds like a lot of coaches and it is but at the same time it's almost like two years worth of what you would typically have in terms of turnover because of the fact that Bowles was hired so late in the process last year it was too late to make any changes according to what he would have wanted to do so 
everything just ended up staying status quo last year, not necessarily because it's what they would have wanted to do, but because it was almost necessitated. So if you look at it as two years worth combined, then I think that that helps make a little bit more sense and giving a, like you said, Bree, the production just wasn't there. And then also the idea of what Bowles wants to make this team into now that he is the one really in charge to start the offseason. I think that makes sense. Right. But you also you got to remember Todd went into this with this group of people and said, OK, let's see what we can do. Let's see how we can make this fly. And it didn't. It's unfortunate because all of us have know all of these men and women, and uh, we all had good relationships with them. So it becomes we, we are in our business mode of this is what these are things that happen and you just get used to it. But in all honesty, you really don't get used to it. You mm-hmm. just deal with oh, it. Yeah. And I would add on to Bree's point about it being a production based business. And that's why these decisions are made. Let's also then give these nine coaches some kudos because yep. the team did produce very well. And most of these people were here for, from 2019 on, not all of them like Bob right. Sanders, but <clears throat> so, you know, let's give, even if a change had to be made, let's take a moment to give Byron Leftwich credit for being a part of yep. what was the highest scoring offense over the previous two seasons. Correct. And let's give all these people credit, at least the ones that were here, which is most of them, for they would say all the time that this they're, that's a collective job up there, that they're all working together yep. for one goal. So everybody gets credit for winning the Super Bowl and then having a 13-4 and four season where you were close to advancing to the conference championship game and, you know, until a late rally by the Rams. And you won the division. And you won the division and, and did actually win the division this year. First time in team history, the team has won two in a row. Yeah. Right. So then you, but then you say, okay, then why make a change if you have all of this with one bad season? And we go back to what Casey said, is that we want to move forward into a different direction, which is philosophical differences, perhaps. So it will at least be interesting once we get into it who they choose and what that mm-hmm. means for this offense. Of course, that's probably going to have a lot to do with who's playing quarterback. Right. You think? <laughs> I don't think that's that important. You no, know. You, no, seriously, you think? I think it's going to be interesting. To me, this is such a chicken or egg offseason. Right. It's, it's, is the quarterback decision dictating the offensive coordinator, all those other things? Is the choice of the offensive coordinator influencing the quarterback thing? Like, that's, to me, what's so fascinating. It's just the timeline of all these decisions because, as we've seen in the NFL, there are a lot of times that quarterbacks are starting to have more and more of a say in what happens in the organization, like Russell Wilson, like Russell Wilson, <clears throat> like Aaron Rodgers, like these guys that are, you know, saying that they want more control. Yeah. And how well is that going? Yeah. You know, that's, <laughs> that's a debate for another day. But. Do, you, do you think they've taken that from basketball? Because basketball yeah, players, the stars, tenet, the stars, LeBron runs things in LA and so on. Which is so, I mean, again, this is a whole thing we could get into, but I feel like that's interesting because in basketball, one player is. Yeah is everything you know that when there's only five people at all times and you do everything offense defense everything else like that makes more sense to me than where we talk about football being truly a team game and yes of course the quarterback position is is different in the sense of how much it affects but it is I mean even still your best quarterback is only on the field half the time or you you hope it's for more than half the time based on (laughs) time of possession but um yeah I just I think it's to me what's so intriguing is just the order of events this offseason where do you hire an offensive coordinator you think could potentially influence Brady or is that Brady's decisions already made one way or the other and then that helps you decide the direction you want to go I, I just think all of that is so interesting on what could potentially what what could be the first domino to fall and what that might do to all the other choices well you if Tom Brady does decide to return to the Buccaneers then you absolutely involve him in the you get his input in what right. he wants to see in a coordinator. But 
if if it's known fairly early on that Tom's not coming back, then I think you just do, hire the best coordinator you can find and then figure out the quarterback position. Well, if you just go with – if you go, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. If you go with an offensive coordinator, just what if Tom Brady comes back, then you're kind of like you're, you're a year – Maybe mm-hmm. two years. A little bit of a lame duck you know, feeling yeah, in some yeah, ways, yeah. Yeah, and if you're an OC coming in and you are putting it together for this particular quarterback and then he leaves after a year or so, then you are, okay, now what do we do? Yeah, but so, a good coach will be adaptable. Well, the best ones are. There you <laughs> that's go. That's the key. Yeah, I don't think you want to hire someone that you think of as only being a coordinator that would be good for a Tom Brady-led offense, obviously. Mm-hmm. That no matter what, no matter if you know he's coming back and that helped dic- dictate it. But like, I mean, he just eventually, theoretically, he won't be here whenever that is. And you don't want to feel like your coordinator was mainly for him, only for him. Yeah, you would want it to be something that no matter who was leading the offense, you like the vision that this offensive coordinator has for your team. And I think hopefully that's the case again, no matter what. Even, whether or not you know Brady's coming back, you want an offensive coordinator that you believe in their idea of the team. Right. And then hope that that works with whoever is at quarterback as well. All right, on to the so next. So we've topic. solved it. That's what I. That's what I. Th- <laughs> well, I heard we fixed well, all yeah, the things. Yeah, and, and yeah. Well, I, there are there are plenty of coaches that have had success with different types of quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Start with Bruce Arians. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He's well known as the QB whisperer, but those were different types of quarterbacks. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the other thing, the only other bit of news really at this time of the year since the buck season is over is the reserve future signings, which we really don't have to get that deep into because almost all of them are just the guys that were on the practice squad mm-hmm. at the end. But just to explain for anybody that doesn't know what reserve futures means, the league year doesn't start till March 15th, but having these futures contracts allows you to sign anybody that was on a practice squad when the season ends because their contracts immediately expire when the season ends or was just a free agent who was out there not on any team when the season ended. And so all teams can do this at this part, point of the year. And uh, and then they're called futures because they actually they don't hurt your salary cap this year. They don't count until the season starts. So that's what they are. I always appreciate you explaining all of that because even working here as long as I have, every time we get to, like, the technical things, <laughs> I'm like, Scott, say all, say all that stuff repeat, again. please. Yeah. Casey, I take a, key, a cue from you on hosting with Scott. Yeah, what do you think, Scott? Yep, <laughs> always a good idea. <laughs> there's still there's still rules that there's so many rules. There's so many rules. So Some many. of them oh, still yeah. catch me by surprise. Each year, like, you know how veterans who have uh, you know, vested veterans aren't waived; they're just cut and immediately become free agents. Whereas non-vested veterans, when they're waived, they have to go through waivers mm-hmm. and not be claimed before they're free agents. But at some point in the year, I think it's after the trade deadline. Then veterans are subject to waivers too, and I always forget that until like November. Yeah, and I forget it until you remember <laughs> it and then talk about it. And then every off season, it comes up again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like it. We do have compensatory picks coming up in, well, in a, well, probably a month or so. I believe we're expected to get one. Hopefully, yeah. That's the formula. Seems to I won't get into that because that's a topic for another day. But <laughs> the formula would indicate that we're probably going to get one, maybe like a fifth round pick. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, well. Usually at this point, I point out what Tom Brady said on his podcast. You know, usually because I'm the one that listens. Oh yeah, he to always his. listens to Let's I Go. Actually, we can talk about I, it. We just you know, have to I, have that bleep button well, ready. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I tell us about Jr. I, well, no, yeah, Jr. is getting ready over here. He's got the awesome legs. I was. I loved what he said. Simply because he just set the tone. Quit asking yeah. me that mm-hmm. question. Well, he's been irritated that question for months right. now. We've seen but it in this room. I have to. I have to say this. I don't think he was irritated with Jim. Green I don't either. Because no. if 
that show's recorded. Sorry, it's recorded. And so if he was not happy about, if you caught me off guard and I said something, then I would say, okay, wait, you know, we don't want to run that. We do it all the time. We do it all the time. <laughs> right. Because I'll say something and go, oh, maybe well, I should have Well, he drops an F-bomb that. every now and then. Well, right. yeah, that's true. But um, <laughs> You and Tom Brady. Yeah. I try to keep, I try to keep <laughs> it clean for yeah, the kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the thing is, is that uh, I liked what he did because it, it's just like, quit asking the question. You know, he doesn't know. And if he does know, he's not telling anybody. And he doesn't need to tell anybody for a while. But he had to know that question was coming from Jim uh, no. Gray. When and he you... was prepared to to react the way he did. Sure. I, 100%, 100%. What I thought was interesting about it is that Jim Gray did not ask him, are you coming back? That I would have understood more the, the response that he had. He asked him, do you have a timetable for it? Right. <laughs> and I thought it was funny that, that it was more... That it showed either he was saying that response about timetable even, Uh that it's not even just about are you coming back that he was frustrated with. It was even the timetable question. Or it was like even just the moment he heard anybody talking about the coming back, whatever came before after it. It was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Stop asking me this. (laughs) Um, Which is funny because, of course, it's all we're going to talk about for until he makes that decision. It's like that's just that's just how it works around here. And so for him, he doesn't really need to make that decision until I mean, what would be the. He doesn't really have to make a decision, does he? No, but like last year, if I can or if I can compare it to last sure. year, when he briefly retired, he needed if he was going to come back, he needed to do it around when he did or earlier because there was a bunch of other dominoes to use what somebody you mm-hmm. said yeah. that fell or were going to fall. Like, does Ryan Jensen resign with us? Mm-hmm. Does Carlton Davis resign with us? Okay. Stuff like that. So it, I think you're in the exact same position because they don't want to wait forever to hire all, all these other coaches. Yeah. But last year he was under contract, so he couldn't go anywhere unless the organization said you could go somewhere. Yeah, but now still, he's not under contract. Either way, he was making a decision where okay. he wasn't coming back and then he was. Yeah, so, so I, I agree with you in the sense of I, it behooves him in some ways to make the decision pre-free agency, especially if it's here and you care about who you're re-signing. Right. Or the alternative is he doesn't make a decision before free agency, sees what all the teams do in free agency and who he just feels like is the team that he most wants to go to and then makes a decision. Like you can look at it either way of either if he does it before free agency, then that tell maybe helps whatever team, if it's us or someone else, build or he waits for the team to build and then makes the decision. And I, I can understand both sides of that. Cool. Fair enough. Just can't wait too long to and have all the seats taken. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah the quarterback carousel. Time but, if he does move on, for them to make the best decision, or you know, for free agents, in, as opposed to going through the draft for someone. Mm-hmm. Well, time will tell. Yeah. How's all that? Right. Well, last week, uh, since this is sort of the season capping kind of uh-huh. thing, or, or transitioning into the new season. Sure. Jeff and I, and I'm sure you two did on Tampa too as well. Kind of already chopped up the Cowboys game. Yep. I don't think we really need to do that to Just any extent. Chopped I, it all up <coughs> into tiny little pieces. And then swiped <laughs> and it then, up the Yeah, table. swept it away. And well, we're about it all again. I have to say is after watching this last week, weekend of games, why couldn't we get the Valley version of this Peaks and Valleys Dak Prescott? Yes. We got the peak version of Dak yes. Prescott. He was phenomenal against Sunday's us. Sunday's game, I thought, was going to be Monday's game. Yep, right. The way he played, I honestly thought that was going to be the case. Mm-hmm. That, okay... And I really felt strongly that we were going to be going to San Francisco. I really mm-hmm. did. And then watching that game, it was like, yeah, okay, that's the team that they're so up and down. And Well, him especially. Yes. Yeah. And he had two picks and possibly could have had four. 
um, there was good opportunities mm-hmm. too. And the score, at the, the very last one would have been a touchdown, you know, ifs and buts, but then the score would have been even larger than what it was because it looks mm-hmm. closer than that game truly was, in my opinion. But I will say, if you look at the Cowboys season as a whole, that game really followed the trend because every single loss the Cowboys had, they bounced back in spectacular fashion. And that's exactly what happened off their loss against the Commanders where Dak Prescott had one of the worst games of his career and he followed it up with one of the best games of his career against the, the Bucks. Unfortunately, so, he does unfo- not get an opportunity to rebound this time. Yeah, yeah. No, he does not. But that's how the playoffs work. Yeah. So there you go again is you get into the playoffs when they, when they had 12 wins. Minnesota had 12 wins or 13 wins. Yeah, they were a fraud. Right. But are you, are you what your record says you are? Not in this case. Okay. So, so the, so. Well, yeah, I think if you're, if you have a minus point differential, right. that, might be, and I guess, that yeah. might be a little more. That might be a little more important. And I guess this is what happens, and we're kind of in that mode right now, is we've had three very successful years. Last year, this past season was not as successful as we wanted, but you still won the division. You still made it to the playoffs three years in a row. Um, there's not too many times that we went to the playoffs three years in a row. So, in the history of the franchise. One, only one other time. There you go. So, the the thing is, the regular season, you you know, when when you're like Buffalo, for example, they're what four years in, always getting there but not making it to the Super Bowl, and then all of a sudden you start hearing the talk: Do we need to change the coach? Do we need to in Buffalo? In Buffalo, they're not saying saying that they are starting. No way. I'm telling you, no freaking way. You Maybe see? the coordinators. <laughs> you mean the coordinators, Ken Dorsey? I'm just why their blank? offense was better this year than last year, and. And in both years, I'm they just, failed to move I'm, on. I'm just saying, if you keep an eye on the Buffalo Mafia, they are not happy. Well, they don't want they don't want McDermott fired. There's no chance that's true. Well, it's pretty much running right now. He's a really nice guy, but can he get I you think there? You're, I think you're giving us a straw man. I am not, man. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. The, the Bills, the Bills, uh, the thing is, Josh Allen is so good hmm. that it kind of hid... Some of the deficiencies that they had, and they need to, and you know, and Von Miller going down was a big part of big it. Big deal. That was so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They need to work on that this offseason so they can make the most of having Josh Allen. But also, unfortunately for them, they have Josh Allen at the same time that the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes and the Bengals have have Joe Burrow. Right. So this go. is never going to be easy. No, no, no. But they also need another wide receiver. Yep. They need help there. Yeah, because Diggs mm-hmm. ends up being just so focused on, which is understandable. I did like his comment. If you don't know, he got he left. Yeah. The locker room very quickly, and he came back. But I liked what he said: "Is you should be more upset about the results rather than How what I'm I taking it correct, right?" Which I like that. Mm-hmm. He's a little emotional, but that's okay. That's fine. I'm sorry, a wide receiver <laughs> getting emotional? Yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> you think? At least he kept the at least he kept the shirt right. on. <laughs> Our guys aren't that emotional. I no, mean, Mike can get very, there. Yeah, Mike, I think would say he was earlier in yeah. his career. But we also, I feel like every time we talk about our wide receivers, what we talk about is how they're not typical wide receivers in their demeanor, that they're not divas and Mm -hmm. they're all very humble and they all get along with each other. And, you know, they care about the team first and all these things that like, that's constantly the narrative is that we don't have quote unquote stereotypical wide receivers. And again, it's like, no, of course not every wide receiver is like that, but there's stereotypes exist for a reason. Mm -hmm. And it is also, I think a helpful thing for that position, similar to DBs that kind of get the same rap. When you're kind of out there on an island by yourself, you need that swagger. You need that, you know, what can be 
the line between confidence and cockiness. And I feel like both of those positions need some of that for success that they're not the same as the O-line that's all in there as a group together and in the trenches. And you don't really know what they're doing. Like your, their name is getting called good, bad, and ugly and kind of out a little bit more on an Island. So I've always thought that kind of made sense for them. See Jeff, they're, they're getting into the salty dog. Yeah, I know. We just transition right from the bills to our receivers. And the last, (laughs) and the last thing is, is with Tom Brady, he made a comment that at the end of the day, there's only one team that's really happy. You know, last week there were 14 teams, Mm -hmm. then it dropped down. Right. And then now there's four, those top four, and then there's only going to be two. And then there's only going to be one team. Did you guys know this? Feel that they're going to be happy. That only one. That team it went is from happy? fourteen to eight to four. Is I'm that just, how the playoffs works? Did you guys were wow. you aware of this? Wow, wow. I are you know you do sometimes. Football you, knowledge? You, is this you, what's happening? We I, are aware, Scott. I, I'm just pointing out oh, the, right. the banality of this. But but let me explain. Not every fan that listens to this totally understands the NFL because we do have people outside the country that don't totally understand the NFL, and they ask us questions. So sometimes you just have to – it's called resetting the table so people understand But is there another way that the playoffs could have worked other than starting with some teams and then ending with fewer and finally Well, yes, but the point is – Is there a sport that doesn't do that? Yeah. Well, talk to Tom Brady because I'm telling you exactly what he said. (laughs) So So if TB12 can say it – I can. <laughs> You've watched Tom Brady's press conferences for three years. Listen, you know that he knows how to do. You know he's he knows the, how to say something without saying record, anything. For the record, Bree and the I best. never argue on our show. Well, Sounds boring. Yeah, I, really. We really do not. No, I, it's BFFs. not boring. By the way, I've listened I mean, to it. And it's that's we why have you're called different the Tampa, opinions. It's called Tampa Two, not Salty Dogs. Exactly. Okay. Tampa Two yeah. BFFs. I don't. I don't want us to get into the, into the whole like Stephen A. Smith. Oh gosh. Where they, or where they're just yelling at each other. <laughs> I mean, I might be okay watching you guys do that. We can just or, sit over uh, here with our popcorn. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> Throw some in there. Yeah. Right <laughs> go. All right, maybe we should move on. Go ahead. Uh, we also don't need to do a real deep dive on this because Jeff and I talked about it like last week, but we're getting really close to the Ronnie Barber news one way or the other. Oh, my gosh. Ooh. You guys have any thoughts on that? Put the man in. <laughs> Give her the love of Pete. I don't know what else to say besides that. You completely just change a whole position define it for generations you have stats no one else has i you make plays in the key moments and i mean i just feel like he was a victim of a i don't know smaller market team where he just somehow didn't get the the love that some of the bigger name guys did but if we're really talking about what the hall of fame is supposed to be that you are someone who made your mark on the game in a way that that potentially impacted it or changed it forever that is Rondé Barber. Yes, and I think not, it's not a small market thing, but I think the problem for him is Derek Brooks, Warren, Warren Sapp, yep. John Lynch, and people in the room go, "How many? How many guys from one defense are we going to put in the Hall of Fame?" As many as deserve right. it. I agree. And that is my but I'm argument. just saying, I know yes. that happens. Ask the Steelers. Yeah, yep. I know, but it doesn't happen often. But no. I, I agree with you. I understand the, the fatigue, and it reminds me of sometimes the, the MVP voting where people just don't want to keep voting the it same person. It should be LeBron right. every year. Right, and it's like, okay, they, are they the most valuable person player or not? Like, mm. I don't care if they've won it before, if they were still that this year, and that's how I feel. I don't care how many guys deserve it. All, are you penalizing them because we had a good good drafts? Like, are you basically just mad that, you know, that they recognized talent and put it all on one team? Like, right. I I, I just don't understand how that should ever be something that is punishment to those guys 
because they had good teammates. Because if so, then, man, if you're wanting to get in the Hall of Fame in the future, don't go play for a good team. <laughs> Heaven forbid you go play with all these Can't good help players. It if you're yeah. yeah. Like, if you, and again, same to your point. Yeah. If you, if you get drafted, better hope there's not a bunch of other good people that got drafted and it'll keep you from getting in. So, yeah, I, I just put the man in. I, that's all I have to I, say. I'm curious if, if you two uh, will agree or disagree. I think Darrell Rivas gets in on the first ballot. We've been arguing about We've this. We've argued about this. So yeah. before, so what, what are your thoughts? Scott and I have uh, discussed this okay. after Insider as well, not on air or anything, just as we walk to and from Insider. And we, I think we said that we both did not believe he was like a guaranteed first balloter was that yeah that's the way yeah. that's the contention i've been making around the office and you and i are very much yes. a minority there I know. and <laughs> everybody I, thinks I he's, he's going straight in i don't know if that's just a recency bias of like his name had such flash for a while there like i don't know i and i'll be honest i haven't sat down and like studied his stats or his whatever um i just don't know that i view him am i i'm not saying he wasn't incredible or that he's not hall of fame worthy but I just think when you look at some names like a Peyton Manning and you're like, mm-hmm. okay, well, obviously, I don't know that I feel like I have that same immediate reaction to him as, oh, well, obviously. Again, would I be shocked? But a lot of people do, like Jeff. You, you yeah. feel similarly about him as you would like a Peyton Manning type name. Wow, that's interesting. Well, and, and a lot, too, is because of where he played. And I, I think that plays a lot into it. He played, in, right. he played in New York. That's, you know, you get – Everything he was called the island. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's the key, man. You yeah. gotta have a good nickname. Yeah, if you get yeah. a nickname, it's if you key. get a yeah, if you get a nickname, it's surefire. You're, yeah, you're pretty much in. This is why is I'm Ed, never gonna get in. I don't Ed, have a nickname. We yeah. gotta work on we'll this. Work on it. <laughs> is Ed Tuttle Jones in the Hall of Fame? He, this Dallas Cowboys. Expert? I do not believe so. No, he's in the Ring of Honor. Yes. Okay. Because that's good. But I think yeah. he was one of the controversial. Not make it. Yes. The, the, As the same with Drew Pearson for all that time. The counter-argument to Jeff's, for me, on Revis is... He is not in the Hall of Fame. No. Did, did He's the, not. Did okay, the good. Google good. machine. Um, is that when they're sitting in that room and they have they have p- people backlogged that they want to get in. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, Rondé's one of them. And so what happens each year is there's new players, and you look at them and go, well, Joe Thomas, absolutely, first ballot. No, no question. Right. And then you get to Darrell Revis, and you, you're like, well, I don't think it's terrible if he has to wait one year. Right. Let's get this guy in instead, and then you know we can work on that in the years to come because he's definitely going in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I would point out that um, Bree has been silent and has not said that Rondé should be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> oh, I a thousand percent do, but I will say I'm not as well-versed on – Bucks history, but I think kind of along the lines of what Casey was saying that for the Hall of Fame, a lot of it is the name game, like in Aaron Donald, like players like that, they're going to be a surefire Hall of Fame guy. Mm -hmm. And I will say that I do think Rondé Barber is a very popular name and a guy that even before I came here, I knew of his accolades. I knew what he did. I knew of his impact on the game that superseded just the Buccaneers time and really around the NFL. So, but I will say with Revis, a guy like that, like that's not a name that I really would recall or really? kind of would stick out in my mind. So I think it's kind of along the lines of what, say, like the NFL Top 100 or Pro Bowl or all of these things. So much of it is a name game as opposed to not necessarily just the impact, but the name that you recall in, in the person. But no, I definitely think he's 
material and long overdue, and I don't even really see like the controversy or why there is. Okay, I was just a little bit worried that you weren't no. saying anything over there. <laughs> a thousand percent. My favorite was the every time someone says his name now in Germany in Hofbrau House, there was a woman in there. She sees Ronde across the room. Our photographer Toyus, and she immediately yells out, "Oh my God, it's Ronde Barber!" <laughs> Breaking out so the exit. Every time anyone says his name now, I'm That's like, "Oh my God, it's Ronde Barber!" <laughs> and Everything. then somebody thought you were the pretzel girl. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, sir, do, do I have a tray of pretzels around <laughs> my neck? No, I you do not. Should Why have are no. you asking this? You should have. All right. Um, I have a contention to make here. See how it flows. See how it goes with you guys and if you and gals, and see if there's if you disagree or have a different answer. In retrospect, I think the single biggest player acquisition of the entire season was Christian McCaffrey. Mm. AJ Brown for me is a close second. Tyreek yeah. Hill was great, yeah. but San Francisco's offense is ridiculous. Yeah, and it's because they added a fourth guy to Ayuk and Debo Samuel and um, Kittle, all of them who can do all kinds of different yeah. versatile things, right. and that Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan can scheme them up and get them open, and you just can't deal with all yeah, of those you can't weapons. Defend that. I think McCaffrey took their offense, which was already pretty good, to a whole other level, and that's why I think mm-hmm. they got a very good shot of winning the Super Bowl. And it ended up being even more important that that happened because of the fact that you end up with quarterback injuries. And so, I mean, man, if you're going to start a rookie Mr. Irrelevant, not a shabby group of people to put around him. I remember before we were going to play them, we talked about the fact that it almost didn't matter who was going to play quarterback. And we were saying that before seeing what Brock Purdy was – um, which I now feel better about that loss, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah. um, that seemed way worse at the time. I mean, it was still bad. But now that we've seen what they've become, that they set it up where whoever their quarterback was going to be, you took off so much pressure off of their shoulders to create, to make happen. And, yeah, I mean, everything about the NFL is about sort of misdirection or hiding things that's one of the things we talked about we missed with Gronk was when you had him out there you had no idea if it was pass or run because he was equally as good at both you'd have him out there for both and then whereas compared to now maybe you send Kokeef out there and has he caught some passes yes but do you more likely know it's probably for blocking yeah yeah so mm-hmm. I feel like the same is true with their offense of when you have Christian McCaffrey Debo Samuel all these guys in there you're like look I don't know who's doing what I don't know what kind of run pass weird thing this could be and that leaves defenses unable to really just pin their ears back and capitalize on on one thing. So I think they really set Brock Purdy up for success. But I also think he's done incredibly well and, and looks looks great out there. But yeah, I think that knowing especially what they were going to have happen quarterback wise, that made that addition even more important. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think the 49ers are also a really good picture of how the league has changed. You know, because when you used to see like versatile on a scouting report it had a negative connotation because a scout would put that on there to to describe a player that really didn't excel at one thing Mm -hmm. and so they kind of just lumped them into that category but the positionless players that they have Kyle Shanahan's system is based on creating you know the yards after catch creating the space and they've done that so well with with Kittle, with Debo, now with McCaffrey, even when you look at what Arthur Smith has done with Cordero Patterson, I mean, you're seeing guys like this pop up more and more and more around the league that 
are elite at so many different things and really are amazing at all of these things instead of just honing in on one thing. And it makes it almost impossible for a defense to be able to to account for all of these things. And I think that's why, you know, every single team, it was like the 49ers were the team that no one wanted to face. And they were already explosive, but then when you added McCaffrey to that equation, it's it's made them nearly in, impenetrable. They, they, they have four of them. That's yeah. just my whole point. They have four of those guys. Yep. Nobody else has And you four see what Kittle guys. did against Dallas. That, that ridiculous yeah. catch. That was an awesome catch, wasn't it? really was cool. I love him so much. He just seems to be having more fun than anybody else while he plays football. I thought the best part of the whole catch was at the end when he's been bouncing off his helmet and his hands, and he's still trying to pull it in, yet somehow just as he gets a hold of it, he also kind of turns and doesn't take a big hit. Yeah, Yeah. that was incredible. I think Uh, my favorite was him winking and like smiling at the sky (laughs) cam and like sticking out his tongue. It's like, this guy just has so much fun. I love it. it. When you're winning, you can have fun. (laughs) True. So does anybody else think there was a bigger move? Nope. No. Nope. I think at the beginning of the of the season you would have guessed Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Well, you probably. would probably yeah. on paper, yes. And I, I guess I should say he did make a gigantic impact. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> so I guess salty. My question Ooh. would be: Who do you think was the most impactful free agent pickup for us? Would you say it was Akeem Hicks? Yeah, it wasn't yeah. really a, a big year for that, so mm-hmm. there's not a lot of choices. I mean, Julio didn't play enough. Russell True. didn't play enough. So I think it was Hicks. I'd agree. I would agree. And he missed what five games? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't have we didn't have much luck in that that area this season. Bringing guys in and then they were able right. to stay healthy and play. Well, but, then you had Russell Gage dinged up as well. That was the unluckiest one because when you bring yeah. in thirty yeah. somethings like Hicks and Julio Jones who've mm-hmm. had injury issues, then you shouldn't be surprised by him. Russell Gage was the one that was kind of surprising. Yeah, but then he came on and you no, know, when he was healthy, then, he was yeah, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you realize why you have him. Yeah, and then we're happy that we talked about this last week. He was out of the hospital, and he's doing much better. So that's a plus, too. Yeah. Okay. I have another observation that I'm just going to blow your, eyes, your all's minds. Oh, wait. Patrick what? Mahomes is really good. <laughs> he's ridiculous. I didn't realize we were going out on a limb Did on this podcast. <laughs> hey, bring the heat if you're going to be on Salt <laughs> <Yeah. Dog. laughs> That take. jump pass on the first wow, drive. He was giving me crap about how the playoffs work. <laughs> but at least this is fun to talk about. Oh, my god. That jump pass – he jumps and then fires like a 20-yard laser. That's not yeah. supposed to be physically possible. Yeah, that would you, be you like a big old no to push off of. Patrick Mahomes is not who you should watch as a kid to figure out how to play this position. <laughs> yeah. That's because he played baseball. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, it's true, though. And I think it's funny you say that. This is one of my, like, tiny, teeny, tiny little soapboxes <laughs> of, like, the need for specialization in sports, like, at a younger and younger age. And I would argue against that. Agreed. Like, We've talked about that some yeah. in this podcast. Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I would 100% argue against that. And I think that he <clears throat> is an, a great example of that because I agree with you. I think that, that that looked almost like the shortstop fielding the grounder like firing it all the way over to first kind of thing. <laughs> right. And then I, it's amazing because then it's like, oh, well, of course he can play on one leg. Like after yeah. you see that he can make throws like that, like just hop on one leg. Yeah, you don't need to push off. No, like it's no. Uh, of all people that you're like, okay, they're going to not be able to use one leg. <laughs> do you still want them in? Yes. Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah, that, it is kind of scary, though, because he's not doing any motion. It's all arm now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now you, now but you he can. But he can. <laughs> right. Yeah, but there how, were definitely but, still some times he underthrew where you saw right. it was affecting him. But, yeah, yeah. Of, again, of all people. But, and, I, but I loved his passion about whether he gets to go in or not. <laughs> and then he – it's kind of funny. It's kind of uh, – 
it doesn't have the effect when you take a winter coat That's and try s- to throw it on the ground. That's one of my notes, Jeff. It, it does not have the effect of a... Were of, you of reading a, my notes? Of a, <laughs> Y'all have just been working together you know, so long that you're a, starting to think together. Of a Microsoft uh, pad. Tablet, yes. tablet or a helmet. being thrown. Or yes. a helmet, right. It just, it doesn't bounce, <laughs> yep. okay? So don't use it. I had written down, slamming a giant jacket doesn't work nearly as well as slamming a helmet. <laughs> I love that. Y'all are so cute. No, I just laughed when I saw it. I was like, yeah, that's just kind of like, that looked like a little kid. Like, I'm not going to wear this coat. I don't need it. It's like if you were trying to storm out somewhere and then it turns out it's like a swinging door (laughs) and there's no door to slam. It's the equivalency of that. Have you seen the videos, the the memes of him running around the pocket and somebody equated it to their little toddler running around the living room? He does have an interesting running style. And it is, it's fantastic. But I will say one of the things that's exciting, like you mentioned about watching him, is I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback that is able to disconnect their upper and lower body the way that he is, <laughs> the way that he does. Like the off-platform throws one leg in his in base, no matter what it's doing, whatever the footwork is, he's able to get the right angle and get the ball off and get it to his target. And yeah. it, it's insane. Yep. So he's is he when a, I was first like learning broadcasting stuff in school and they would teach us all these rules of what you can and can't do. And then they would say, well, once you've mastered all this, you can learn when to break the rules that you don't that makes sense. You don't get to break them until you've mastered them. And that's what I think of with Patrick Mahomes is, like I said, you'd never show what he did to a kid learning quarterback and be like, this is what you should you do. do. <laughs> like, but because he mastered it and does it at a high level, then yeah, you get to break the rules once you've gotten to that point. I like that analogy. Not analogy. I like that explanation. A Thank lot. you. Also, to your specialization thing, we've talked about that on the podcast, and I think it was because we had a player guest on, and we got into his background, and he, do you remember who that was? I don't, but he was, like, adamant that you should play He had played all the sports coming Mm -hmm. up. Maybe it was Cade? Yeah, maybe. Or maybe it was Devin Tompkins? A couple of of the new guys, yeah. We we asked that I completely agree. Well, and we've said it with Tristan, where he wrestled, and we've seen what a huge impact that's made, and then, heck, even Will Golston taking... Um, jiu-jitsu now yeah, right. and they've mm-hmm. talked about the ways that that's helped them and the same thing Tristan also did the shot put in discus I think right. and, um, all these things that can help with some of that I mean we've seen with Tristan his leverage his body control all that stuff is for sure things that wrestling and shot put mm-hmm. in discus would have also helped with it's called recess just go right. have fun recess, <laughs> yeah. or like DBs that have transitioned from wide receiver gets like the route recognition mm-hmm. like ball tracking all of those theoretically things. better kind hands of, yeah exactly <laughs> so Go ahead. No, you got something? Well, no, I was just I was wondering, are we going to do uh, who we think is going to win the Super Bowl? Is that one of your questions one for of your part? No, it's not. No. Well, first well, of all, we before we get that. off. We don't need to do that. It was because we were talking about Kansas City. and go ahead. Go Before ahead. we get off Mahomes, the other thing I wrote down, there was a play. Scott writes a lot of stuff. Jarek <laughs> McKinnon is not a very big running back. He's like six oh one eighty something mm-hmm. like that. He's a scat back. He's a throw the ball to the guy back. He made such an incredible block. For Mahomes, he 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 pancaked some oncoming edge rusher, knocked him to the ground. Speaking of, of that, I have to talk about the, Micah Parsons throwing Mike McGlinchey. I don't think I saw that. Oh my gosh! If you have not Google this, okay. Literally, one arm throws. Yeah. Oh, I did see that. Yes, like a whole offensive lineman just like one arm. You just tossed him aside. Tossed him. Yeah. 
that was outrageous. And again, made me feel better about some of the plays that <laughs> happened against yeah. him. I just, that was, when you said that, when you said the pancake thing, it just like that popped back into my brain of that. And there's a freeze frame of it where McGlinstry's just in midair. Like, and you just see Michael Parsons has one arm on him, just ready to look. Pfft. It's it like was when, crazy. It's like, he, it's like when guys stiff arm somebody else into oblivion. Yeah. yeah. It was like a Derrick Henry kind of moment. Yeah. Or uh, cool. Rashad White in Seattle. Like yeah. in Seattle moment. There you go. That's the you know deal. who else got <laughs> trucked or pancaked this weekend was uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Yes. <laughs> that, that whole play, that whole, the. Scott's <laughs> oh, giggling. I mean, seriously, just at what point did you think this was going to be a good so, idea? I'm so happy that play happened because I have been reading articles and listening to podcasts about it ever since, in the days since. And I mean, it is giving the NFL coverage world so much glee <laughs> to just break this down and have your type of reaction, Jeff. Like, what did they think was going to happen? Here's the problem. They practiced it. They must have, right? How crazy is that? Because well, McCarthy said it didn't go according to plan. <laughs> oh, really? What yeah. was the plan? Brilliant. You don't say. Brilliant. <laughs> My favorite, though, was that it was deja vu from the year before when they played the 49ers, and it was... The QB draw with 14 seconds right. left, and you have no timeouts, and they can't get it snapped, and it's the uproar, and that that season goes up in flames. And then it was yeah, that was a time once again. Issue, yeah, this was a conscious decision to do something crazy. Do you guys remember a few years ago the the crazy Indianapolis Colts play, it was the fake punt where they motioned like everybody, all oh, the linemen yeah. out to the side, and then they had the gunner come. He was a tight end, I think, come over. And long snap to the punter, no, no, to a tight end or something. And there was nobody else blocking. And the reason, and then so they just snapped it. And the two defenders that were right there just jumped immediately on him. And you go, why couldn't that work? Well, the official explanation on that one was that play, that play was never supposed to be snapped. And the guy, the guy who had come Minor over. Minor detail. The guy who had come over <laughs> to do the snap was actually replacing the guy they'd practiced it with because that guy got hurt. So he'd never done this. Oh, so he's the one who messed up the play because all they were trying to do was either get a, 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 him to jump off sides or to try to think they're going defense, running their guys off, and they're trying to get in some more players and they can catch them with too many men on the field. They were, it was third and three, so we're trying to get a free five yards. I'm just imagining they're telling him, whatever you do, don't snap it. And he gets out there and he's like, wait, did they say snap it or don't <laughs> exactly. snap it? I don't remember now. You can see, I just watched it again yet. I just watched it again yesterday, and you can see the quote unquote quarterback. You can see the utter shock on his face when that ball hits his hands. He's like, whoa, that wasn't supposed to happen. So in this Dallas play, maybe Ezekiel, El maybe Tony Pollard got hurt in that game. Maybe Tony Pollard was originally going to snap the ball. Uh, and he's, I don't know, but I don't know how that would change anything. No. Oh, that would make it worse, I yeah. think. <laughs> but, but you have to go back when they kicked off. He, he fair catches it on the six-yard line. Why would you do that? Yeah. Why wouldn't you just let it bounce in? And well, go to it's easier to start from the six than the two is the point. Yeah. But I hear you. Yeah, that, I, I'd, take, I'd take the chances. Because it's a four-yard difference. It's apparently with the pl game plan they had, it wasn't going to matter. So... <laughs> Just throwing it out there. <laughs> I just love. I love when those plays happen because you know you're going to re remember and talk about them forever. And, and the, this one happens, and, I, and you start talking about the Indianapolis one because it was so unbelievable. And then you start talking about the Washington Commanders and their swinging well, gate play of like yeah, twelve but, years ago. But when you look at but you, but you look there's three things that happen for Dallas. Uh, it, he he doesn't he does a fair catch, then uh, 
to step out of bounds, you have to be going forward, and he steps back, and then catch the ball, make sure you have both feet in, yeah. so that you can then step out of bounds. It was and not a good end of the game for no, Dalton Schultz. No, it was, it just unraveled. So, there you go. Where were they Monday night? Which is hard to believe. That's only eight days or ten days, nine feels days like ago. A lot longer, mm-hmm. doesn't it? It, wow. yeah, it feels like an eternity. Turns into dog years in the off season. Yes, so much. Okay, go ahead. All right. Um, <laughs> I will say, I will say. You know, we were talking about San Francisco and how good they are offensively, defensively. I oh, mean, incredible! Come on, number fifty-four Warner. That oh. dude is lightning fast. Fred yeah. Warner. He controls the middle of the field he, better mm-hmm. than any linebacker. He is. I mean, that's a John Lynch defense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You also, can tell just he's got his to hand. John Lynch in general. I'm just so happy that like if I, I basically said that if we were not going to make it, 49ers were for sure my team I was rooting for. And a big part of that was because of John Lynch. Mm-hmm. I mean, also, they're just fun to watch when right. it's not against us. Um, <laughs> they're fun to watch. And I yeah, I just am so impressed by him. And I remember even when he was getting hired, Everyone like, oh, he's he hasn't, you know, he comes from TV over there, and you know, and and just the wondering how he was going to do when he hadn't done the more traditional route of up through scouting, up through this, up there, you know. And I just, I, I feel like he's just done such an amazing job with what he's built over there. And I mean, can't argue with the results. Yeah, no. such a great and, guy, and, and just very happy for I, him. Just a good person. Yeah, all the way, all, person. a good person all the way across the board. I remember Still. that. That's my one of my John Lynch stories. Is that like right after I started here. Um, Scott and I, I think had done one interview with him where I'd only met him one time, I think. And then I was at the combine and he was walking by. And of course there's all these reporters and people like anytime there's like a coach or a GM or an anyone walking through the combine, there's like a whole herd of people sort of going with them. I was absolutely not going to say anything to him. I didn't think he'd even know who I was. And he, as I start to walk by, just was like, Hey Casey, how's it going? And I just remember thinking like, what a testament that was to who he was of knowing who I was, remembering my name and choosing to say hi, even when that was not a requirement and everything. I just, I remember that being my first experience of like, yeah. wow, like what That's a great cool. guy. Yeah. Bree, has John Lynch ever said hello to you? He has not. <laughs> but if you're the only the one chance. in the room. I, hey, I still get Christmas cards from John Lynch. <laughs> I do. That's <laughs> oh great. Oh my God. Very sweet. But, yeah, but you know, what's funny is when John came, well, how long ago is that? 1993. Scott? 1993. Okay, so I met John Lynch. 1993. Here we are, 30 years later. How old were you, later. Bree, in 1993? <laughs> negative. Oh, Bree was not born. I was, I was <laughs> negative too. That's my favorite part of coming on Salty Dogs is doing that at wow. least once. That I've it. been working here for her entire life. <laughs> <Yeah>. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, that was my choice to be salty at that point. Thank you, Bree, for providing wow. that. No I, guess, I guess I put that Anytime. on the team. You, right. you it teed it up for them. Yep. Wow. Set that up. Anytime right. you're going to start doing the back in 1990, no, I, then you but, know I'm going to do that. But what I'm saying is, is it's it's fun to watch a guy actually be a kid mm-hmm. and then grow up and and still mm-hmm. be a good person with all the success he had. Yep. And that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. There's that. Very true. Well, she'll be, you be getting to there half of the show soon here. Sure. Oh man, whatever, time whatever. for Tampa just, two to take over. Well, just yeah. let me just let me quickly go through the last little bits of notes I have about right. to do extended. Um, uh, watching Doug Peterson coach uh, reminded me and do a great job this year. Yep. Reminded me that Doug Peterson was in my apartment one time mm. when you were down in Miami. No, here. Really. Um, in your apartment before you rented it, or he rented it before well, you? Dave Moore brought him over to a party that we that we were having. Mm. So as because as a head coach that's alive in these playoffs been in your apartment. Uh, well, they're not anymore. No. no. <laughs> um, I've only had one apartment in my life, two. Um, 
what I was going to say is flex. He was Dave Moore's roommate <laughs> in. Uh, in uh, That's probably Miami. why you brought him by. Yeah, because he was talking about that. I so, also so. Does he go by you and say hi, Scott? I don't think he remembers who oh, I am. Oh, okay. I think of uh, one of Burrow's, Joe Burrow's audibles at the line I heard was Lucky Charms. Did you guys hear that? <laughs> I did not, oh but I would God. love that. I'm pretty that. sure that one of them was Lucky Charms. <laughs> I will also fantastic. explain that I used to eat Lucky Charms all the time, and I am so OCD that I would eat all of the non-marshmallow pieces first and then therefore leave all the marshmallows yep. till last. Yep. Yep, same. same. Love it. And then okay. you had the little puddle of marshmallows, best part. Yep. Hot take then? Mm-hmm. I think the cereal part is better than the marshmallow part. You would. Why am I not surprised? I by that? They're squeaky Wait. on your. They're squeaky on your teeth. That is that is the worst cereal ever. Wait. <laughs> yes. Both of you are oh, you having like it? terrible mm-hmm. takes. So okay, they came out with a Fruit Loops with marshmallows, Ugh. and that was the best dang cereal. That sounds. Terrible. Oh my gosh, the Lucky Charm part is. Seriously, the worst cereal. How? No, it how? Good. Why would you it's want not, it? It gets soggy in the milk. Yeah. Well, I, why you would eat you enjoy it quick that? Enough. You just have to eat it quickly enough. <laughs> and anyway, you don't necessarily cereal. you don't necessarily have to okay, put it I, in a bowl of milk. I have a question. Do they have uh, Lucky Charms? In they have had them. I don't know if they have them right yeah, now. I don't know if they have them. They now. do have Cocoa Puffs now. Cocoa I would, Puffs. Oh, they I would have never the eat phenomenal. They have the toasted uh, grams and the apple jacks. You got the good selection. Yeah, one of those you're obsessed with, right? The honey grams. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And big, and big fan cereal. of honey See, yep. when I was a kid, we would we would get out the bottle, the box of the bottles. We'd get out the bottles and just get wasted. We'd get out the <laughs> box of Fruit Loops and eat it as a snack in the afternoon while watching like cartoons or something. That's oh, a, I do I do that with uh, Honey Nut Cheerios. Really? I, oh yeah. What'd you say? I just said that's the ideal kid day of yeah. like <laughs> thinking of like just like whatever sugary cereal and cartoons. You're just like living your best <laughs> life. Mm-hmm. Makes me want to do that right now. Um, what else you got? When Daniel Jones' contact came out, I think it was the announcement might have been Daryl Johnston, who I'm usually not a big fan of. Mm-hmm. He immediately nailed the line. He said, it's a contact yes. sport. Yeah. I paused it and alerted my whole family <laughs> and made them all, because like people were kind of doing other things, and I was the only one sitting there at that moment. And I made my mom, dad, and fiance all come in, and I rewound Flex. it to play that. <laughs> Of like saying, like, guys, listen to this epic dad joke that was made. Was I loved it so much. Timing perfect. And it was as someone who no wears notes. contacts, I'm like, I need to be able to use this at some point. <laughs> like, I'm just storing it back in there. But also, again, from that point of the contact thing, and he, all, like, Daryl Johnson, I think, I don't know if it was him or I forget the guy's name that was that's his partner broadcast, Joe Smith, maybe? Um, it also feels like I just came up with he's a basic LA, name. He's the, he's the, no, it's Joe. Joe something. He's, he's the Dodgers play by play guy. Joe. Is it not Smith? I don't know. That just seemed like. You, I'll look it up. You okay, keep talking. Thanks. So yeah. one of them, Joe Davis. Okay, but stop for just what? stop for a second. Give us the whole joke so everybody oh. understands what the whole joke so is. Joe contact, Davis. Yeah. yeah, Joe jo- Davis. There his you go. contact falls out and Daryl Johnson, while talking about this, watching him try to put back in, says, well, it is a contact sport. Okay. It's Nailed amazing. It. Nailed, Nailed it. it. No notes. Nailed it. Can't improve that. No notes. <laughs> Um, but also just watching Daniel Jones have to do this, I was like, as someone who wears contacts, that is a nightmare scenario. Because it's probably got grass it's and got stuff on it. It's got crap all yeah. over that's it. That's what I couldn't figure out. And I don't know if I'd be that quick to be putting it in with my own hand. And that's so much pressure. Because my hand's been on the ball and oh, the yeah. grass. People and then it's going to get dry oh, yeah. because it doesn't have the solution. Yeah, you need, well, they you gave have... him some solution, I think. But yeah, and which would help some. But yeah, your hands aren't clean. The contact isn't clean. Ooh. It gets dry. It's harder to put in at that point. And then just like the pressure of like you're doing this time. Like you're trying so hard to get back out there and knowing everyone is watching you doing this. And putting a contact in is not something you can do 
fast if you like you might poke yourself in the eye also i just yeah. anyways i was watching all that just i was stressed on his behalf and he just put that sucker back in and ran back out there and i was very impressed i feel like it's an eye infection waiting, waiting to, to happen. happen absolutely i was like you got to throw that contact away immediately after didn't think game. you'd get that much mileage out of that uh, of did you? yeah of course <laughs> before we get too deep into how horrifying this is just remember ronnie lott once had part of his finger cut off well, he cut it off. Well, he allowed it to be happening. <laughs> yeah, he so. allowed he allowed it to be amputated. He didn't lose it on the field. No, he, he fractured really badly, and if they didn't cut it off, then he would couldn't miss. play. He wanted to play in the playoffs. Yeah. I nope. I'm out. <laughs> I can't. I'm sorry. There is nothing <laughs> in life that I need to be doing that badly. I am. I, props to people that have that dedication to football. I'm telling yeah. you, if all of a sudden it was like, Casey, you can't broadcast unless you cut. I'm sorry. We're just, we're yeah. not, it's not happening. It's not happening. We're having Even a Even if it day. was like the Super Bowl? I, you know, I think I. Need... It was his pinky finger. Oh, and, well, in that case. Yeah. And it was amputated from the first joint up. So they told him, you got two choices. You can put a pin, a pin in there and it will heal in two months, but you'll miss the rest of the playoffs. Or we can chop it off and you can play. And wow. since it was, and since it wasn't the thumb, it's not a problem because if you lose your thumb, then then your hand kind of just. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, it's only no, yeah your pinky. So, all right, well, all right. that's a good place to end the uh, salty dogs portion <laughs> yeah. of the show. I now officially hand over the reins to Casey and Bree, and Why, we, as we head into you. Tampa two. God, we're going into uncharted waters for sure. Yeah. It's it's uncharted. Whatever. <laughs> I have no idea. Where Everybody we are. says that wrong. It's not uncharted. <laughs> That would mean like somebody hadn't chartered a boat for you and taken you there. Charted. Nobody has charted the waters. Uh, mm. We learn something don't, new every yeah, day. Yeah, don't get us started mm. in the conversation on Chunk and Chuck. Yeah, that's mm. just weird. That's just a regional thing. Which though. Tom Brady in one of his tweets the other day, I saw he said Chuck. And I was like, I feel attacked. <laughs> oh, you're a Chunkit? Yes. I think that's a Texas thing. But it, it's a Texas thing. I agree. Like we, my whole family says Chunk. Like I, I chunk it over there. I like, say, someone told me they said ch- Chuck, and I was like, excuse me? You that said, doesn't even... You said something the other day that you clearly got from Tom Brady, though. Instead of saying red zone, you said red area. And he says red area. Or maybe it was you. Ooh. No, I don't think it was me. I don't I think I've ever thought said it was, that. I thought it was you. You said red area. That's funny. Because remember, he said red area. Though. That's what he says. Yeah. He never says red zone. He says red area. Sure yeah. it's not the green zone? Yes. Wasn't there a coach that used to call it that? Didn't we have somebody that wanted to call it that? I think that's the whole field is the green zone. It, or it I, may like green means go? Yes. Ah. I feel like you kind of just take on other people's, how they, their vernacular, like their rubies. Well, just Tom Brady would know. On. Right. Or it may have been the fact that I had already used that and I was trying to use like a different word yeah. or a different term. Right. Mix things up. You know? Always good with the writing. Keep it, yeah. The, I, this is, yeah. This is like, a very good right training. You're like right click thesaurus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, our salty dogs approach to this podcast is leaking into your, your portion. So All right, take it, it away. Get that, it together, people. That, that means we were very influential. Mm, <laughs> or is that we what just, it means? We went first. Yes. All right. Was. So for all of the people who normally listen to salty dogs and have not listened to Tampa 2, we are a wee bit more uh, organized than yeah. they are. We have set yeah. topics we go through each week. A lot of our topics. Oh, wow. Oh, my wow. gosh. Um, so here's the thing. Most of our topics are irrelevant now that they were very based on previous game, upcoming game, injury reports, things of that nature. So we took uh, our typical topics and we sort of amended them 
for what we could do now. So instead of doing a look back at the previous game, we thought we would start with top season takeaways. So looking at the season overall, and for each of you guys, what are the things that most stand out to you uh, if you were going to be writing a sort of Cliff Notes version of mm. this season? Who has some top takeaways? The personnel changes on offense completely changed the, the season. Yeah. I mean, the, what we should have expected from the season. To me, that's the story of the season. Yep. Defense had its ups and downs, but I think was probably good enough for this team to have gone farther and to, want, mm -hmm. to have won more games. But the inconsistencies on offense yeah. never went away. And it only really came together in a, in a specific game a couple times all year. Otherwise, it was it was a struggle all year. And mm -hmm. it's because teams change, personnel changes, and every one of us could sit here and list the, the players that changed. But I don't. Th I think everybody knows. Mm -hmm. That's my big takeaway. Yeah. Right. Well, and I just think, like you mentioned, like on offense, they just never reached that full potential, and you saw the spurts of it which I think was the most frustrating part, like week one against Dallas or Seattle or the first half against Cincinnati, which, of course, in the second half was probably the worst half of football that they arguably played. But And it was just kind of a combination of everything. You had the injuries along the offensive line. You had the protection issues. You had the lack of the running game. I mean, gosh, Tom Brady averaged, I think, like 52 attempts over the last month. Crazy. I mean, had 66 Attempts again in the wild card round. I mean, that's that's about as unbalanced as you can you can get. But you can't really put your finger on really one part of it. It was just kind of a combination of everything that didn't end up being. They were consistently inconsistent mm -hmm. throughout the year. Yeah, uh, we never got to see the team that was on paper. We never because of the yeah. all, because of the injuries. We never mm -hmm. got to see the team that was on paper, which was the team that everyone thought was going to roll, you know, close to 13 wins that they did the previous year, and you were feeling really good about it. Um, I think the closest we got to being healthy was the first game in Dallas, and then you know we lost Julio then. Um, Hicks. Hicks. Yeah. And then Even Donovan got hurt that game. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think Donnie played uh, healthy all year, which a lot of guys don't. But I will say this. There are teams and I'll you know, Cincinnati, for example, who has a almost entirely new offensive line for the Buffalo game. And they they did a terrific job. Mm -hmm. So as much as you want to go injuries, geez, poor us. No one cares. You know, that's just the way it is. Right. But in I, I just I feel bad that we didn't get to see what was on paper and we're not going to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think my my takeaways were sort of a combination of what you guys said. I It was just the lack of a run game that, you know, you're last in the league in rushing yards per game, last in rushing yards before contact. That one yeah. I thought was uh, pretty, good. pretty tough. Um, and so then, yeah, it leads to Brady breaking pass attempt records all over the place. Um and then it was interesting because he was, you know, third in the league among QBs in passing yards, right? Makes sense. He's through all the time. Um, but he was tied for the second lowest in team yards per attempt. So it's not only that you don't have a run game, it's that you're, th you're having to throw so many times and they're just these tiny little, you know, plays of just these short yarded situations, which is going to require you to have a thousand plays to get down the field which is going to also just lend itself to more chances for penalties, chances for things to go wrong. Like you just not having those big chunk plays as often is really tough. And I looked at the the bottom six teams that are right around them in that lowest yards per attempt in passing. It's the Cardinals, Texans, Jets, Colts, Steelers, and Rams. 
the cumulative record of that is 32 and 68. Only one team out of that group had an over 500 record. So obviously that is a stat that does not lend itself to tons of success when you're having to just throw a million tiny little short passes and not getting more of those chunk plays. So the, yeah, that was for me knowing how much that's something that, you know, Brady and Mike Evans loved to be able to do and other guys. And we thought that we were going to have some more of those deep threats. We saw that, like you said, JR with not getting to see the team on paper to not see Julio Jones getting to do, try that a little bit more often. We, we did see in against Seattle that he might've still had that in him if he had been able to be healthy. Um, yeah, so that was that was the one for me. It was just the struggling with the the run game and then the itty bitty little short passes over and over and over and over and over. Jeff, did you know we were supposed to do that much research? Uh, there's not going to be a quiz at the yeah. end. Right? Yes, I mean, absolutely. I can't remember all like those I, like I said like I said you know. It's a whole different show. Whole different yeah. ball game over here. <laughs> All right, what's next? So next, uh, we typically do but a good stuff, Casey. Duh. Oh, it was good stuff. Thank you. Uh, so what we typically would do next would be the keys to the upcoming game, and so I amended that to be keys for this off season or storylines to watch. Uh, obviously, we already talked a little bit about Brady. We know that's the thing. Let's not dwell on that even more. So outside of the Brady storyline or maybe things that that could potentially affect for you guys what are the keys to the offseason or storylines you guys are excited to watch i went first last time so okay i could take the obvious all right one. well <laughs> for me it's the lines offense and defensive lines i yeah. think that's going to be the key for this team to move forward mm -hmm. and how they do that i am not sure you know we've had we've heard todd bowles talk about need better edge rushing, Yeah. whether yeah. it's the guys we currently have, whether they need to step up, whether they need to work on it during the offseason, how to get faster, how to be more nimble. Um, mm -hmm. But I think nothing else is going to work for this team unless the O-line and the D-line is addressed. I think mm -hmm. that is going to be every If you bring – because we have proved that you could have one of the greatest quarterbacks ever and not have a, have a good O-line – as well as it was during the Super Bowl year, and have him struggle. And last year when three guys went to the Pro Bowl. Correct. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's it, we keep forgetting that part, that there were three Pro Bowl guys. Not you, Scott, but we, general, other than Scott mm -hmm. Smith. Collective we. Yes. Well, to me, okay, I get that the quarterback's a big story. I get that you have to fix the lines. But the underlying issue here that is going to color all of those efforts is the salary cap. To me, that's the biggest story outside of quarterback mm -hmm. and maybe who the offensive coordinator is. The Buccaneers are right now with the contracts that we have for next season and the dead money that we have on some expiring contracts, we're $55 million under over the cap. Yeah. Things have to change. We may have to lose some people. We may have to re rework some other contracts and get them, you know, again, kick the can down the road a little bit, um, which you, do you want to do that if you think if you don't get Tom Brady back and you're not sure how much of a contender you're going to be? Decisions like this have to be made, and we're not going to be privy to them being made, but we're going to see the results. You have to figure out the cap, and and Mike Green. Obviously, we got great people, Mike Greenberg, and them to to do yeah. so, Jackie. Um, and then you still have to worry about the not all of them, but we have like 23 pending unrestricted free agents. Yeah. And that includes Levante, Tom Brady, of course, Carlton, not Carlton Davis, uh, but Tom, Jamal Dean. If Tom Brady comes back, he helps the cap issue. It's, it's it, a gets 30, to, right. it gets to go kick down the road, yeah, but he helps it out a great deal. Right. Because it would be a $35 million dead cap hit. If he, if he, if he leaves, Yeah, if he retires, 
you can you actually can kick part years. of it down the road. Yeah. yeah. But still. Yeah. I would basically say mine's a combination of all that. <laughs> the Tom Brady situation, offensive coordinator, and she really did her homework that big, on this old, one. <laughs> big old list of uh, free agents. So it's like, we, it was like we're, uh, we're all at the ice cream store getting desserts, and we each three of us ordered, and you just said, I'll have all of that. No, okay. she goes, I want Napoleon. <laughs> <laughs> what is that from? Neapolitan? Or Neapolitan. Oh, okay. I okay. thought you were yeah. making, I thought you were Ooh. quoting something because that I was like, that's very funny. Because like, <laughs> Napoleon is very funny. I just <laughs> assumed that was a quote. Okay, I will say my mom makes a mean Neapolitan fudge at Christmas, where it's, it's actually like, it's raspberry, not strawberry, and then the vanilla and then the chocolate. There is a ridiculous amount of cream cheese in that fudge, but let me tell you, it's addicting. Sounds I'm not big, big on fudge. Oh, you would be on this one, <laughs> Scott. <laughs> JR just had to turn you, his cough thing on. You would be on this one. He actually took his headset yeah, off. Yeah, he's just, he quit. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to get us back on the okay. rails. Okay, yeah, so my keys for the offseason are storylines to watch because you guys took all of those. <laughs> yeah, I, had a I wrote like five because I was like, I know yep. if I go they last. They can't take them all. They'll, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, definitely the free agent one is fascinating, especially on the defensive side of just the idea of I – I did research again, which I feel like now I'm going to get made fun of for. <laughs> no, uh, that the of our entire defense, the free agents we have account for 36 of the 59 passes defensed this year <laughs> and eight of the 10 interceptions. And I'm like, Ooh, oh, boy. Love that, 10's not even a great number. 10 is not yeah, a great number, but when good? eight out of the 10, <laughs> 10, eight out of the 10. So a huge chunk of the passes defensed and almost all the interceptions are among people who could become unrestricted free agents. Um, my, my quick math tells me that's 80%. Look at you. Look at you. Almost your entire starting that Northwestern secondary <laughs> on that list. Um, so my, because again, you guys kind of already talked about that. My other one that I, my sort of dark horse candidate for um, off season storylines to watch is Will Bowles called the defensive plays next year. Um, I talked a little bit about this on Tampa 2 last week because he did a – in his season-ending presser, um, he was asked about this, and he said something about how he's not a guy – I don't have the direct quote in front of me right now, but he's not a guy that has to control everything, and they'll take a look at all the options. And then he said, we might even let some of the guys call it in preseason, which tells me that, A, he said people plural. Like, there are multiple people he's considering for this role – B, that it is not something we might have the answer to until almost the start of the regular season. If he's, It sounds like preseason might almost be a bit of an audition for it, and then maybe he keeps it if he doesn't like what happens. But to me, that's going to be really interesting to watch is, is there an audition for defensive play calling in preseason and what that could look like this whole offseason as we watch everything from OTAs to minicamp and – how this defense could look and him trying. Because we talked about last year, he didn't have time to hand the reins off if he'd wanted to. So does he want to? Who would it potentially be for? When would we know those things? I think that's going to be really interesting to watch. It's a good one. Yeah, but I don't think you can wait until preseason. I, I, I'm just I, saying what he I, said. I think if you're, if you're going to – if you say, hey, I'm not going to call play. Scott, you're calling plays. Or you're going to call that the defense. That would be a bad decision. It would be. But – you got to go all in from the off season. You can't you can't have someone go, okay, I'm doing this, and your players are thinking you're going to be the DC, and then after the, at, at, because we've lived that before, where mm-hmm. we changed DCs in the middle of the season because it didn't go well. We've done it in training camp because the guy left. Well, there was that too. Oh, yeah, I think it was a health thing. Yeah, it was uh, with Raheem, was it not? Yeah, I can't yeah. remember the I, first coach's name. 
But um, I think with what direction Todd's going to go, and it stuck in my head, he made the comment that one of the things he learned about being a head coach the first time and the second time, the first time he was trying to please people. And he realized that in order to be him, he just needs to do what's best for him, and you can't please everybody. Also, can we just say snaps for that as a whole life philosophy? Like, let's all learn from that. Let's not worry about pleasing people. Just do what works for you. There wow. you go. We're getting deep here on Salty wow. Dogs. This is not a Salty Dog <laughs> segment. <laughs> good good food for that. Yeah, I, will say that yeah. I will say that on the highly successful youth flag football team that my friends and I coached, I was he the defensive always, coordinator. He always I was gets goal. when I played. Go ahead. I love this. But, but yes. But I ran I, the defense on game, right. on game during games. Right. I, I Well, when I called plays for my little girls basketball team yep. I coached, the plays were called Fuzzy Wuzzy and Bananarama. <laughs> I highly suggest oh introducing that as a, maybe an audible yeah. option. You tell, know? tell Joe Burrow. Yeah, I'll throw that in with Lucky Charms. Fuzzy Wuzzy. Yep. And was banana, a bear. Fuzzy Wuzzy. Banana I know him. And Bananarama. They were, <laughs> fuzzy Wuzzy wasn't very fuzzy, was it? <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was really the goal. And they were actually from when my dad coached my team when I was little. That was the name of the plays back then. So I brought them back now nice. for my kids. Yep. I love this. It was very entertaining. So that's my, I'm going to go suggest that, you know, to, to Bulls and say, okay. hey, you know, yeah. just have some good names. I feel like might encourage things. All right. So our next topic. <laughs> All righty. Our next topic. Uh, <laughs> normally we would do a player to watch in the next game. So instead we're going to do most improved player this season. Bree, why don't you go first? Ooh, Especially since yes. you just wrote about this I, today. Yeah, we just yeah. wrote about She's this. She's ready. Our, yeah. She's going to have numbers. Point, counterpoint, I think everybody's discussion. Going, everybody's going pretty much with the same player. But go ahead. I'm going to go with... Jamel Dean on this go. one. I have a different answer. Do you? Yes. Ooh, yeah, you I do too. But yeah. I think he was one of them. Though. He, I mean, he's really improved every single year. So, I mean, I feel like a lot of times he's most improved is maybe somebody who hasn't played as well in the past. But he's had a great resume since he's been in Tampa Bay. But I think he really just hit another level this year. And I think what's really indicative is you look at, like, PFF came out with their top like upcoming free agents and Jamel Dean was listed as number one. I mean, he's a guy that's been among corners. Yes. Among, among upcoming corner free agents, but he's just a guy that's been extremely underrated, but he's become really the bucks. Number one lockdown corner. I mean, this is a guy that he's disruptive on releases. He can go guys deep on go routes. He has fluidity and out of breaks um, and really just has, all of those things. And I think he was the guy that really impressed throughout training camp. And even though, you know, Sean Murphy Bunting got a lot of the, the reps with the ones that he was a guy that they ended up going with to start opposite Carlton Davis. And yeah, he had some dingers with injuries this year, but I think all in all, he's, he's the guy that really stepped up when, when they needed him in the secondary and made, made big plays. If you want to get a little um, depressed about free agency. Oh yes, that sounds fun. Let's I that. looked up this, that the thing that Bree was just referring to PFF's, Top 50 mm-hmm. free agents, should they hit free agency, and three of the top seven are Buccaneers. Tom Brady at three, Ooh. Jamel Dean at six, Levante. and Levante at seven. But, yeah, he just has that blend of, you know, size, speed, yeah. athleticism, physicality. Yeah, I think Jamel's the top player. corner in the league in terms of who could be a free agent. That's on, yeah. according to this list. Yeah. Um, yeah. The one thing I would say about Jamel and the title of most improved is that I think – 
some of this isn't necessarily a huge jump that he made this year, but people are recognizing it now. Because right. if you look at those same sorts of numbers that you were referring to from NFL Next Gen Stats, he has allowed the fewest yards per target of any corner in the league for the last four years combined. Wow. So he's been he's been pretty good all along. Maybe he made a little leap this year, mm-hmm. and Coach Bowles said so to Casey when mm-hmm. she asked him this question. Yep. So it's a good pick. Yeah, and for him to earn that starting role. And I think, to me, what's so interesting about Jamel is just the ways we've seen him improve over the course of his whole career. I mean, I think back to his first year in that really unfortunate game against Seattle, and he just took that and was like, you know what? I've got to figure out how to learn this game. And that's what he's talked about is that he he learned how to learn, essentially, and, yeah. and spent so much time with Coach Bowles, spent so much time learning how to watch film and how to prepare differently, and he really credits that with a lot of his success is that I think just the mental side, because we've known he's got the physical. I mean, the guy is big and tall and fast and just incredible in terms of from the physical side. So he seems to really have put the mental part together. And that's what's been so nice about having Coach Bowles, you know, your your whole time here essentially to help him learn this system even better. And, yeah, I think the mental side is where we've really seen him grow. It was, was Jamel your pick, JR? Yeah, yeah. Any well, further thoughts on him? All that you all said. Scott, well, you said you had a different pick? Well, I guess I, if it was like on your list where we picked them all off, if I think Jamel's the best answer. And the other answer that coach said when you asked him this was Anthony Nelson. Yep, that was who I was going to so say. So he, 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 and you could tell us about him. But another guy, I would say I looked at the, because we're writing about this today, I looked at our depth chart trying to f- come up with candidates. I really couldn't find a lot because mm-hmm. guys have performed for you very well and, and were parts, big parts of the real success this season, like. Chris Godwin, Tristan Wirfs, Tom Brady, you know, Levante David, were they better than before? I, I don't know if I can make that argument. Right. Right. So the only other one I came up with, and it's because you probably going into the season did not expect Nick Leverett to make nine starts. Now, I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you that Nick Leverett was a Pro Bowl guard. You know, I'm sure he had his ups and downs. But Coach would always talk about how much he fights, how he helps set a tone. And he made nine starts at left guard. For a team that, mm-hmm. while they didn't run very well, did did have pretty good pass protection from time to time. So he'd be my pick. Yeah, and thrown into a situation that was, I mean, he's basically auditioning all preseason for center, for guard, for yeah. this, for that, you know, and, and just getting thrown all over the place. And then, um, yeah, I think he just handled the situation really well. And also, I just always love being able to brag on him, as another great guy. And um, he was not a guy that was, you know, super highly drafted coming out of college or anything. And sometimes people that means they don't know as much about them prior to coming here. And I just love bragging on the fact that he was part of the all state good works team. And that is a, a roster of, I think 22 people from all of college football across the whole country of all levels, based on how much work you've done in the community and made a difference. Wow. And he made that team. I didn't know that. Yep. So I just love bragging on him for that, that he's just like such a solid dude. Mm-hmm. He, even since getting here, um, he let a practice squad guy borrow his car. He just like gave him a car. He had two and just gave this practice squad guy <laughs> wow. a car because he didn't have one and was like having to Uber to the facility. Oh, jeez. He's bought random people gas or food you know he'll find homeless people do things for them and it's like most of this goes of course very under the radar and unrecognized so i just i love whenever you have a guy like that where he really he he became kind of like the nacho of the offense where he was so much of the energy guy and so he brought a lot to the team that wasn't just the x's and o's right so shout out to nick leverett well and just going back to kind of what you said on the the mental aspect and i don't remember if it was 
Jason Light that told you this or if it was John Spitek, but about they like to draft guys that have been through things mm -hmm. because you're going to hit turmoil and hardship in the NFL. And so if they if they draft a guy that's never been through anything, well, you don't know how he is going to react yeah. to being in those situations. Yeah, that was Jason Light. And, and I think – Jamel Dean is a really good example of that, and you've seen his oh gosh, his yeah. mindset because he was a guy that didn't think he'd ever play down a football again. Well, he told him at Ohio State that yeah. he couldn't play, right? Yeah, and yeah. That he'd had, never play again. A three percent yes. chance of playing. I thought that was such and a then, weird number. And to then pay. he had like after the back-to-back -back ACL, like all of these things, and he was in like a really dark place. You know, I mean, he told me like he would have days where he was in his dorm room, like lights off, just in a very doom and gloom thing and his family is really what got him through and just his love of the game came back and to see him playing at this peak performance now I mean he brought Carlton Davis to, to tears in the locker room who you know was his teammate at Auburn but just to see the the strides that he's made I think and with the the mentality and the mindset that he has and the appreciation for the game because he knows what it's like to not know what that next step is or if he'll ever be able to play it down again. And so I feel like you see that in his play. Yeah, I agree with that. So, yeah, just to put a bow on it, my pick was Anthony Nelson. Um, I think Jamel is a great pick because I do think that he has more of an impact on the defense overall than Anthony Nelson. So in that sense of the picking him as the most improved. But um, kind of like you said, it felt like Jamel wasn't necessarily a guy where it had been this, like, huge leap. It right. was kind of over the years. So for me, Anthony Nelson, when you look at the fact that he had 48 tackles in his first three years and 46 this year. Wow. He had six sacks in his first three years combined. He had five and a half this year. So when you look at all of his stats for those first three years as compared to this year, and the same thing, one forced fumble in his first three years, three this year. Practically in back-to-back -back games. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it, I felt like what he did stepping in after you lose Shaq was absolutely massive. And his plays he made were at absolutely massive times. His ability to strip sack was mm. amazing um so yeah that was my pick for most improved um okay so now uh we're going to talk about a game we are excited for next year as we look ahead to the schedule the schedule the, the schedule my, my audio seems like it's off what do you mean i don't know it just you're there we hear you just fine okay all right so Brady, you have well, a... Well, I am going to go... Is it better there? Yeah. No, you turned it way up. Okay. <laughs> wow. It's so everybody yelling up, Scott's here. down, up, down. Are you we good talked down? about this team earlier, but I'm going to go with the uh, Buffalo Bills game. Mm. I am ready for that. And regardless of how... In Buffalo. The, yeah. Oof. Depending on what time of and year I'm that And I'm just going to say... Woof. Woof. <laughs> I, I don't know why I have always wanted this, and I'm... Really sorry for my coworkers that are on the field, either working camera or snow being game. the photographer, but I want a dadgum snow game. Yep. We've never had one in my time here. I just think that would be It'd incredible. Be so Sitting up there, seeing the snow flurries, drinking some hot cocoa. This <laughs> is like sitting at home. It's that's like football weather. I think it's great. <laughs> Unless we put you on the sideline, what's, right. what's the experience? <laughs> but I mean. Regardless of how their season ended, I think they've just become one of those perennial AFC powerhouses. And I think going up there, playing them would be a really good measuring stick game and a really big confidence booster if you could go in there, beat the Bills. So that is what I'm looking forward to. I hear they have good wings up there. <laughs> we, we actually went to that bar, Anchor, whatever. We went to Anchors, went to 911, which was really, really good. I remember thinking There's that the was. There's the big tree. Yeah. I thought that was like more of a joke of like. Yeah, they oh Buffalo Wings, and then I, I was like, it can't really be like that 
big that's of a thing. That's where they came from. And then, yeah, and then I got there and I opened my curtains of my hotel room and there was, all I could see was a wing place. That was the only <laughs> thing out my window and it just made me laugh. Um, Three of the four teams that are still – no, that's not true. Buffalo lost. I was going to say are still alive. We are on our schedule next year because we have San Francisco, Philly, and Buffalo. This is the problem with winning your division. I know. Yeah. And, and being 8-9 and nine and winning your division isn't the best combination. You get a low draft pick and a hard schedule <laughs> next year. <laughs> Way to go. Congrats. Yeah. Well, but only really just – just, um, how many are determined by three. that? Just three. But it's Philly, it's like San Fran, and Buffalo. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not like it used to Again, be. Again, woof. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so, Jr. what's your pick? Uh, always going to Lambeau. Love mm-hmm. the history, love the town, love Appleton. Um, they put a whole new thing outside their stadium now, did. too. It's like yeah. an ice skating rink and shopping and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, and then they have this big toboggan slide. And You're going to go down that, all, aren't you, JR? Absolutely. Yes. They have changed um, the way it used to be. It, the stadium used to just live in a residential area. Now it's become more commercial and it's developing. And so I haven't seen it in a few years. So um, Lambeau, I, out of all the stadiums I walk into, I always get a chill on that one because it Probably is pretty cool. Probably because it's also cold. Yeah. Well, oh, <laughs> ba-dum-boom. <laughs> Luke Gedeke has told me I've got to try the uh, Wisconsin cheese curds. Oh, God. They have weird had me out. I've actually never had those. Uh, yeah. I Once you do, you won't again. Oh, really? Oh. My college boyfriend was from Wisconsin, and I remember his dad like came to visit and just brought him a giant ice chest of cheese curds that that like as he because he drove oh. there from Wisconsin and they were explaining these to me and he was like talking about how amazing it is that it makes this squeaking noise when you eat it and I'm like Ooh. why like, is that a pro like I Lucky don't... Charms marshmallows yeah <laughs> see I thought this was something that I would enjoy and you're kind of all crashing my hopes yeah, and dreams so we feel doesn't... like we just need to prepare you that it may not be exactly what you imagine I feel like it's no it is you have to try it oh it maybe it's like St. Louis pizza oh <laughs> don't even go there <laughs> For eight years, Scott and I have been yelling about St. Louis pizza. Because it's awesome. Because it's terrible. <laughs> now you're caught up on our debate. There you um, go. Okay, so my game I'm excited for, um, I was picking either the Eagles at home or San Fran on the road. Eagles at home just because I think they are obviously an incredibly fun team to watch this year, and um, I just think that's going to be a really big matchup. And then the San Fran one on the road is just uh, – so much of that is obviously pending – does Brady come back? Does he not? But the idea of the revenge game of what happened there this year, um, regardless of whether or not he's here, I think that just to see that. And now again, San Fran's just a, a, a fun team to, to watch and go against. So, um, yeah, those are my two games I picked for this year. See, now if I was going to get a home game, I'd say Detroit because I think they're going to be fun to watch. Yeah. That's that's the other. I became a, a bit of a Lions fan after Hard Knocks. I'm not going to lie that just Dan Campbell, I'm like, what a – what a delightful, what a delightful dude. Imagine doing a radio show with him. That would be something. Let me tell you. Watch your kneecaps. <laughs> <laughs> um, mine, I'm going to go with Minnesota on the road because I think we've only been to that new stadium once, but yes. it is awesome. It, it is. is. That's a great stadium. So I want to see that stadium again. Although I don't need to hear the freaking horn. What would be great is if it was in September and then we'd be able to catch a baseball game at the same okay, time. Okay, then that makes my pick even better. Okay. And I, we did go. We did that. We, we had a preseason game. Yeah. In Minnesota? Yeah, we had a Weird. preseason game. Um, and also, uh, given the way they play their games, like the way they did all of this year, it should be a fun one that goes down to the wire and somebody wins right at the end. Maybe a dramatic comeback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that's good. All right, so our final 
segment here, we always close with our quote of the week, which typically is something that a Bucks person has said about the game that week. It's either a player or a coach, something from the press conferences that we pick. But again, obviously, that is not as relevant right now. So I decided to mix it up and say, why don't we pick a quote that is from a movie or a TV show and then uh, the C, that if it applies to the Buccaneers. So there's a few different ways you guys could have taken this, but again, I just kind of left it at that of a quote from a TV or movie that would apply to the Buccaneers. Who would like to go first? Hmm. Not all at once. Hmm. I will. Perfect. I have two. One that refers to this past season and one that is looking forward to the next one. Okay. okay. The first one is from the greatest TV show of all time, Lost. Oh, my God. <laughs> you said in our in our little Slack chat that you was from the greatest show of all time and didn't say which one, and I have been trying to figure out what show that was going to be for you. I should probably say it's one of the greats and my favorite of all time because I've also seen all of Breaking Bad, and I have to admit that's probably a better show. And oh. I've never seen The Wire, but everybody says that's incredible. But it's my favorite TV show and one of the greatest of all times. And the quote is, it only ends once. Anything that happens to be... Anything that happens before that is just progress. Interesting. So as Jeff was saying, how uh, the pithy point about how only one team wins, um, nobody's happy. That's the common quote. Nobody so, one so team. you're solidifying my comment. I, I'm saying <laughs> Thank you. Children. that's how a football season is. And you get in, you get into the playoffs and you just, there's no second chance. But every right. season is going to end one time. But even in a season that wasn't satisfying, you can make progress along the way. Mm-hmm. So we got some rookies that filled some big roles and, and should get better and better. We even finding things, even pinpointing the things that held you back can be progress because you know what you need to focus on this Ooh. season. So I like that. That's very thoughtful. I like that. JR. Oh, wait, uh, you had two. You said, Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. For the, um, for the upcoming season, if this is the end of the Brady era, which I think there's a very good chance it is in Tampa, uh, this quote is from Cape fear, the movie. Still, things won't ever be the way they were before he came. But that's all right, because if you hang on to the past, you die a little every day. And for myself, I know I'd rather live. So, everyone, if Tom Brady does move on, retire, or go to another team, don't hang it up. You know, stick with us here, right? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Don't, don't, don't dwell on the past and, oh, if Tom Brady was here. Yeah, the next season might not be as good. It might be. It might not be. But, you know, at least you're living. Yep. At least like your that. fandom mm. didn't die. There like you go. That. That's fair. In other words, yeah. don't hop off the bandwagon is Please. what I'm hearing. Yes. Oh. Mm-hmm. We're not going to go boy, girl, boy, girl. No. Oh, are we in the middle school again? Yeah. Is that <laughs> just, what it just is? Just throwing <laughs> it out there. I've got three. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> and as Scott will attest to, I do like to watch old, old movies on the airplane. It's I'm true. so yes. hoping that I, I picked I'm the same I, one as you. Casablanca or something? No, this one, this one is from Cool Hand I, Luke. I, that's the one I said. And that, and it's, it, it made me laugh because it's so true about what was always talked about, what was wrong defensively. And the line is, what we got here is, is failure, failure to communicate. To communicate. I had that too. <laughs> That's incredible. Because and that you is, mentioned Cool Hand oh, Luke, it made me is, think about it. And okay. that is, and, and if you listen to what everybody said when we had a bad game, it was communication. A failure, but it, the interesting part is not a failure. It, it, it's just plain is failure to communicate. Everyone was to put an A in there. There's, There's not an A. Oh, okay. 
So I, just because uh, I know you're a stickler for quotes. I, I have never seen that movie, but everybody knows that quote. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that's that's my end that's of season a good one. one. Yep. Okay. I just think it's incredible that there are probably roughly a billion <laughs> movies and TV shows, yep. and you two both picked the same exact yeah, quote. But, yeah, but the reason it, it fits, it was supposed to fit. The the season and I brought up I made a joke on Slack about how you did probably watch from Cool yes. and Luke or something. Okay, yeah, I don't know that I so, would have picked it if not for that. It okay. was like, yeah, the yeah. don't think about a pink elephant kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Once you mentioned it, I was like, oh yeah. So I'm I'm going to stay in the same vein of older older movies because this is one of this is a great movie. I don't care when you see it, how many times you see it, it's still a great movie. The Matrix. No, <laughs> I saw that. That was okay, and I and I couldn't. The one quote I liked there. I couldn't use so because it didn't fit the theme that we have going. So, anyways, TB12. This is what Jason Light is going to say to TB12. And what movie is it from? This is from The Godfather. Okay, it may, an offer you can't I, refuse. I'm going to make him an offer no, he can't I refuse. Where do you? It's right here. It's right there. Where do you? It's right have there. It to. Unbelievable. It's right there. It's I right have gone there. First. You guys should pull your money and buy a lottery. Okay. Yeah. So. That that's my theory there, and then I have one more, and that is what the next season is going to be, how how I feel about the next coming season. You ready? It's from the Hunger Games. Oh my God. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. No. I know. May the odds be ever in your favor. Okay. Those are my three quotes. Yes. Amazing, Bree. So I definitely took a different route. Um, <laughs> All of the quotes that I was trying to find to summarize the past season wasn't really finding a lot that I enjoyed. So I'm going to go with a Disney slash Pixar <laughs> philosopher, Miss Edna Mode from The, the Incredibles. And more of just how looking ahead after evaluations of this previous season, how I'm feeling, team's mindset moving forward. I never look back, darling. It distracts from the now. <laughs> it's so good. It's she my did the quote. Voice. The little voice was good. It's my quote. Yeah, we should have made JR do no his uh, Marlon Brando over there. Yeah. yeah. I got to get cotton and put it in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, that was your that was your quote? Yeah. And all of the – I'm a huge, like, remember the Titans fan, but it's, like, all the football that I was trying to find, none of it fit. Mm. So it was in a bit of a pickle, so I went with that. Uh, yeah, that's mode. a good one. Yeah. I wrote down like a billion quotes because a I was a little afraid people would take some, which apparently was a valid fear. Yeah, guys, um, they're so good. And I just in general kept finding good ones that I wanted to to use. So um, obviously Jr. took a couple of mine. I was going to mention that. Yeah, hopefully there's not a horse head in Tom Brady's head <laughs> after that. Um, okay, so mine that I'll go with. Does that mean he's going to the Colts? Oh my god. Or the Broncos? Yes, either either one. Okay. Mine I'll go with is uh, show me the money from Jerry Maguire <laughs> because of our salary cap situation of how they're going to figure all of that out. I am essentially saying to our front office, show, show me where – do we have money somewhere? Where is, where is the money? How are we going to do this? So that was one of them of this upcoming season. I also had, thinking back over these last few years that we have had Tom Brady, regardless of whether or not he comes back, it was, if you build it, he will come <laughs> from Field of Dreams. Uh, that one sort of made me laugh about the looking back. And then I felt like I had to pick something from The Office because Scott always makes fun of me for quoting The Office in every situation in my life. And uh, there were a couple that came to my mind. One was the moment that if Brady announces he's coming back, there's the famous 
gif and scene where Michael Scott's character is just running around going, oh my God, it's happening. Everyone yeah. stay calm, stay <laughs> effing calm. Like, <laughs> so that was my idea of if he comes back. And then uh, this is basically for my quote of what we're all going to be doing until he makes his announcement that Michael Scott gets asked about his like management style and philosophy and how he does what he does by his boss. And he just starts randomly. And he's like, my philosophy is basically this. And this is something that I live by. And I always have. And I always will. Don't ever for any reason do anything to anyone for any reason ever, no matter what, no matter where or who you're with or where you're going or where you've been ever for any reason. And then it just cuts to him doing a talking head where he's like, sometimes I start a sentence and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way. Yes. This is what I feel like is going to be all of us until Brady announces is that when people ask what he's doing, we're just going to be like, well, you know, there's a chance that maybe if possibly for some reason forever in the future. I don't know. So yeah, that was my thought is, as I talk about this, sometimes I'm going to start a sentence and I don't even know where I'm going. Just hope I find it along the way. I love that quote and I love that you used it because Scott and I, or at least I do, I say that to Scott all the time. Yeah. Just start a it's sentence. It's one of the best. Don't Which really one? know where it's going. Which the, one? The, the start a sentence the Michael one. Scott, the start a sentence and sometimes oh. I don't, don't really know where it's going. going. I just hope I find it along the way. <laughs> yep. Um, and then I also thought about in Jaws when they said you're, you're going to need, need a, a bigger, bigger boat. boat that we're, as we as we welcome Bucks fans onto <laughs> instead of a bandwagon, it's our boat. That that's my philosophy is that we're just going to welcome new and more and all of the Bucks fans that everyone is staying on. No one is hopping off regardless of what happens. We're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> Those are my quote that quote ideas. is actually you're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah. Mm hmm. I, I knew. See, it's that's written. Why, it's written down. You're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah. Did I say we? Yeah. Oh well, I was translating it to how it would apply. Because that's the what box. everybody. I, t- I told you, Scott. Yeah. We'll make sure you get. To oh yes. Them, so. You're going. I love the movie Jaws. It's yeah. one of my all-time favorites. Really? Mm. I do. Mm. So, how many of the movies that were quoted in here have you seen, mm-hmm. Brie? Mm-hmm. Have you seen The Godfather? Oh. Have you seen Cool? I feel Hand? like I need to like she bow my head. <laughs> have you seen shame. Cool Hand Luke? No. I haven't either. Have you seen Cape Fear? No. I haven't seen Cape Fear. Oh, I think Cape that was Fear's the only thing. Great. I Which seen. one did you see? There's like there's I saw, a, what, did, with Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro. Yeah, that's Which, the best another one. one. There was one made way way oh, before. Which one. ones yeah. did you use again? Lost the TV show because that was in the yeah, rules. Yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah. I haven't seen that. Someone told me the ending before I got to watch it, and so I was like, "Well, that, forget that." Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of people didn't like the ending, but the journey was well worth it. Yeah. Maybe I'll watch it then. Maybe that'll be my plan. Well, that was the end of our segments that we had for Tampa Two. Okay. So how? What? Kicking it back to our Kicking, kicking it back, back over to, to the court. salty dogs. Well, are we done? I think so. I have uh, one. We usually read emails. Ah, yeah. yes. I'm just going to read one. It's not a question. It's from Philip Schwadron, a, a, a fan of the Bucks in California. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, S-Dogs. I'd like to take a moment to pay tribute to Coach Lori Locust, who was fired last week along with several others. I'm proud to root for a team that won a Super Bowl with two female coaches and three black coordinators. I'm convinced that Byron Leftwich and the others will find jobs. But I really hope Coach Locust does, too. We need more like her in the NFL. Thanks for another great season of podcasts. I just thought it was nice that a fan. That's wow, great. that's really well done. I love that. It's very well done. Philip. I, I would love to echo that. I think that's a great sentiment, and I'm so glad that fans recognize that, and that's how I have felt working here for this was the eighth season I've been here now. And I just always love that I get to say that I you know worked for the organization that did so much to promote women and people of color in different roles. I mean, that's just such a cool thing to to say. And even thinking about how, for me, early in my broadcast career, I was thinking about doing news simply because I hadn't thought as much about sports because there were so few women 
doing it back then. And it took a woman suggesting it to me that she was my broadcast teacher. And she suggested it to me of why don't you consider sports? And I can't imagine where I'd be if she hadn't done that. And so I love the more opportunities you see from these people, the more hopefully there are little girls out there or people of color that are saying, looking at that and saying, you know what, that could be me someday. That sometimes it just takes someone suggesting it, seeing it. And I love that the Bucks have helped to to do that. And Bree and I have talked about that on our podcast, yeah. that how cool it is that we have just a, a, you know, an all woman podcast talking about football and sports and that that wasn't why it happened, but it right. was just how it worked out and how cool it is to have an organization that that mm-hmm. hires that and promotes that and, and supports it. And it is getting better around the league. Yes. We're obviously, mm-hmm. we're obviously, um, Leaders. Making progress. We're, we're the Buccaneers right. again. Leaders, pioneers, pioneers in yeah. that. But uh, there's, it's getting better all around the league. I think the Packers just announced they hired a uh, female, full-time female trainer. I don't mm. remember her name mm-hmm. for the first time in franchise history. Wow. So. Right. right, but yeah, I will say that was one of a big draw for me in coming here was just that the Bucks have been at the forefront and the pioneers of trying to create equality here and just a real family atmosphere. But also just Coach Lowe, I was actually able to connect with her prior to to actually even getting this job and just what a kind incredible person just reaching out to me being welcoming when I first got here and being kind of a a voice of wisdom for me so it wasn't yes. the, it wasn't the opportunity to work with me that wasn't the big draw well that was definitely a draw okay. <laughs> I will say though <laughs> there was a long pause we, there I don't know no she doesn't even think Ronnie Barber should be in the Hall of Fame that's the takeaway. No, on my interview with you, we chatted for like an hour. I still remember Scott like looking down at the end of it and he was like, oh my God, it's been like 55 minutes. This was supposed to end after 30. Look at that. So Mr. Scott Smith, we were chatty Cathy. Mr. Softy. Yeah. As he's known around the office. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't think I like any of the connotations of that. <laughs> You're a kind, caring individual. That's true. There you go. There's a connotation for you that you'd like. Okay. <laughs> so if we're, if we're done, are we done? Do you guys have a sign-off? Salta, Tampa, Tampa 2 dogs. Yeah, I don't think Salty. so. You guys, That's good. You guys you have like your a show? drawing. You said dogs just dogs. 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 Salty yeah, dogs. We just thank everyone for tuning in and that we'll see you next time. No, we don't time. do that. No, we don't do that. Yeah, so of course not. You're salty. You don't thank people. We no. are nice and thank yes. people for listening. It is an honor to podcast <laughs> well, with you. all of you. Thank you to the two of you for being on our podcast. Yeah, thanks for having us. And we were pleased to be on yours. This is great. We'll have to do it again. Yes, we will. And since you did, thanks for listening.